Welcome to Speak Like a CEO. My name is Oliver Aus and it is my job on this podcast to give you all the insights, the strategies and tactics about communications that you need as a founder, as a CEO, as a professional communicator to succeed in business. This is a new format. This is an Ask Me Anything format, which I've never done on the pod. Uh, I do a lot of Ask Me Anything sessions as part of, part of my mentoring, as part of uh, speaking at events, for instance. But this is the first time on the pod, and I received a lot of interesting, fascinating questions even. And I picked five, which I think most founders or CEOs get at some point and need to find good answers to, to succeed. Now, let me go through these, and it should be really quick, should be really fun, and you should hopefully get a lot out of this. So, Anna Buchmann, she's the founder of Noka Mobility. She wants to know, what do you recommend on how transparent to be with your team about the ups and downs of building the company? Uh, that's a great question. So, how transparent can you be as a founder or CEO? Other things you should not share with your team. Now, I call this the transparency dilemma. Ambitious founders generally want to share almost everything. But if they do, sometimes it creates all sorts of issues. So how can we make sense of this? As a general rule, I believe in transparency, unless one of the following conditions is being met. Number one is confidentiality. So some things in business are just confidential. So if you're negotiating about a merger and exit, there's a new strategy in the making, or you have to think about a restructuring plan or layoffs. Now, that's not something you want to share and talk about every day. There's obviously confidentiality included here. But you want to be transparent after you made the decision, but not while the process is in full swing and the outcome is uncertain. So confidentiality is one objection. The other one is psychology, and that's maybe even more interesting. Building a company comes with a lot of emotional ups and downs, and founders tend to thrive on that emotional ride, and they know it's at least it's part of the journey. It's part of what they sign up for. But that's not true for everyone, right? So many team members won't be able to do their best work if they're worried about the future of the business, for instance. That's why they choose to be employees rather than founders, and that's fair enough. Now, what's the solution here? To me, it's being accountable and always sharing the important things, but maybe thinking about sparing your team the daily ups and downs if they react negatively. However, if you want to be 100% transparent and make that a value and say, I don't want to live in parallel universes, I want to be upfront and, and absolutely transparent with any, anyone in the company, that's great too. But you have to then only hire people who can handle the truth. You have to tell them before they join the company that you won't be able to protect them from reality and you expect them to deal with that reality. And that's a company value. And then people have the chance to select themselves in or out. So... Transparency, absolutely. Accountability, very important. But in some conditions, it does make sense not to overshare everything. Chara Wilkinson asks, how do I convert extremely dry and detailed policy research and analysis that is typically delivered to clients in the form of long reports into compelling narratives and engaging formats, drawing out the big ideas and messages? Fascinating. I think we can all relate to that. We've all been in the position where we try to make something that's inherently pretty boring, but important, interesting. And it doesn't have to be policy paper. It can be white paper that you release as a, as a company because you want to position yourself as a thought leader. Of course, the challenge is, if it's not interesting, no one's going to read it. No, one, no one's going to take notice. And it doesn't really position you. So all the, all the work's been in vain. And for me, it's... Um, I th you know, the solution here for me is to turn the process on its head. Often we write a long report 
And at the end, we think, okay, how can we make this more interesting? How can we make this compelling? How can we tell the story? And we get stuck because you know it's it's full of details. It's it's long. It's it's mostly words. Maybe some boring graphs in it. So it's really hard once you've done it to complete it and, and make it interesting. So turn it on its head and think before you start the report. Okay, what would be a news article about the report I'm about to write? Right? Could it? Could I see this? article in the New York Times, for instance, or on BuzzFeed, what would be the headline? And Amazon does this, for instance, they write press releases before they actually start developing new products because they want to make sure they know, you know, why would anyone care? And this is kind of the same question here. Why would anyone care? And if you write an article, a news article with a catchy headline, it forces you to think, why would anyone care before you actually write the report? It doesn't mean you have to stick to it later on, but at least you're, okay, there is something. We know how to make this more interesting. And you can use, you know, a Twitter thread as well, for instance, in your mind and write down a Twitter thread about this white paper or report. So change your perspective and also make it relevant to people's lives. Why does it matter? So analogies, metaphors, stories, these are all great tools to make it work. So if you can tell someone a story that includes why your report or white paper is relevant, you know, people usually listen. They don't listen to fact-telling. They listen to storytelling. They want to, you know, metaphors are very powerful and easy to remember. So you want to make sure you make use of all these rhetorical instruments. Also think about the format. So it doesn't have to be long written report. Why can't it be um, in visual language? Can it be a video? Um, can it be a drawing? Can it be a graph? Something interesting that um, accompanies the report they can use on social media, for instance, to get people hooked. So this, this is really about the hook to get people interested. And that hook can be visual, it can be a video, it can be uh, in a gripping headline, but you need a hook so people start reading the first paragraph and the first paragraph and then draw them in and make it really interesting. So that's that's what I would say. Also, look for good examples. Uh, keep a file of inspiring ones because I'm sure people out there, some, someone has solved this problem for policy papers and white papers. A lot, a lot of people have. So I would always, you know, and I do this as well, see something interesting, inspirational. I'll put it in a file and sort of can look at it later on and see if anything there inspires me when I, um, I'm in the same position. All right, third question. Gary Glass asked, what are some common communication mistakes that founders make and how can they be avoided? Well, okay, give me, I'll give you five very common mistakes founders, usually founders at the beginning of the journey make. So first one would be not to communicate enough. That's that's a very common mistake. I think founders, when they start out, they look at the product, they uh, spend a lot of time with the product, which is fine. But once you have a product, you really need to think about message market fit. You need, need to think about selling, about marketing, about branding, about building the team, communicating to the team, building the culture. So over time, your job as founder or CEO is really to become a top communicator because you will have people who will look after the product. And yes, you have strategic oversight over everything, but most of what you do as a CEO or founder, especially as a CEO, should be communications. If not, you have to, I think, ask yourself some hard question about how you spend your time because it's your job to attract top talent, attract top investors, and to ensure that the company attracts uh, external attention in the form of customers and all the other attention you may want for that. Second mistake, not consistently working on their communication skills. And I get it, we're all busy, but... 
If you're not working on your skills, you can't improve. And a company will never grow beyond the communication skills of their founders, in particular the CEO. So that's important to understand. And that's, I think, the people who do, they understand it. They make sure their communication skills, as much as their leadership skills, keep developing so the company can grow and they don't become a sort of mental bottleneck for the growth of the business. Okay, third mistake. Sometimes you see that founders play a role, right? They are not themselves if they're on stage, if they talk to the team, if they're in front of a camera, if they're on social. So they they start playing a role, they start to act. And I, I get it. These are unnatural situations. And it doesn't help to say just behave naturally, just be authentic. If these situations aren't natural, it just requires training and it requires practice to be yourself in these situations. And an easy way to test this is obviously ask people you trust, usually not people who work for you, uh, because they may not be um, very open with you if, you if you're the CEO or you're the founder. Um, but ask people in your family, your friends, sort of, what do you think? You know, let me show you this video I've taken. The camera doesn't lie. So if you record yourself on stage or at Ask Me Anything or Town Hall or whatever it is and watch it later, you will see if you're playing a role of your, if, or if you are authentic to yourself. This is important because people have good radar. They, they notice if someone isn't themselves and they want, to, they want their leadership to be themselves and they want their leadership to be uh, authentic. And authenticity is something that you know, all experienced CEOs and founders value very highly. They want to be themselves at work and they want to be seen as the person they are. Right, number th- number four, um, a common mistake founders and CEOs make in communications is to neglect instinct and emotion and focus instead on logic and fact-telling. So that, that for me means you have to learn the language of leadership, which means you have to think about the emotional brain, the instinctive brain, and the logical brain. And we know this since Aristotle, but it is often forgotten. And to me, there's, there's a bit of a crisis in, in, in leadership and the language of leadership because most leaders today, and this is new, this is not how things used to be, um, a lot of leaders today speak in a very technocratic, logical language. Now, the problem with that, of course, is that you're not really persuading anyone with arguments alone. You need them, but alone, they're not going to convince anyone. You want to persuade, you want to learn the language of leadership and appeal to the instinctive, the emotional, and to the uh, logical brain. And if you want to dive deeper into that particular point, check out my recent episode with Simon Lancaster, who speaks eloquently and has written several books about the language of leadership and how to go about this. Number five, a fifth common mistake is not to protect the downside. That means that in communications, we always think about promote and protect. So promote, yes, I think most leaders think about how to promote the company, the product themselves, fine but often they do not want to think about protecting the downside. And that is very risky because we all know of many companies who've gone under because a crisis hit them and a crisis will hit you too and us too. It's just the nature of of the world these days, Um, which means you have to be prepared to thrive in a crisis rather than, you know, just trying to survive. So how do you do that? Again, relatively straightforward. You need to prepare for a crisis that involves a crisis plan, both business continuity and a communications plan. So let's say cyber um, cyber criminals steal all your customer data. And of course, you have to inform your customers. You have to potentially inform the world uh, and your investors, et cetera, et cetera. So 
what we do in these crisis communications plans is that we think through the vulnerabilities and the potential crises and then do scenario planning, including exactly knowing what to say, when to who, by who, etc. So that's that's really crucial to understand and to undertake. Once you have a plan, you want to do crisis media training, you want to do simulation with the whole team, at least once you get past Series A, I would say. But you know, an initial plan, I think you do right from the beginning, as soon as you start collecting data from customers, for instance. Now, um, Gary obviously also asked how to avoid these mistakes. And I alluded to some of these points, but in general, I can only say read my books because all the answers aren't there. So Mastering Communications, for instance, has uh, under, at, at the end of each chapter, there's a whole section on, okay, these are the pitfalls. So Mastering Communications and also Message Machine, there's obviously a lot of, you know, we outline a lot of the pitfalls as well. Now, if you're interested in these books, obviously you can buy them, but if you sign up to our newsletter, you can also refer other people. And if you refer a few people, you actually, we give you these books for free, right? So you can get Mastering Communications, for instance, if you refer a few people to our newsletter, which is called Message Machine, and the link is in the show notes. All right, number four, Anna Günther and Dana Mensa both asked this, how to explain my startup without falling into pitch mode, ideally in an inspirational manner. When people ask at networking, so what does a company do? I would like to be able to give a succinct but inspirational answer. Yes, absolutely, you want to do that. Now, what they're alluding to here is that all communications is audience specific, and what you say depends on the context. So they're right in pointing out that if I speak to someone at a networking event, my pitch to investors is not appropriate. It's a different context. It's a different audience, potentially. So when you go into a pitch with investors, you know what you will say. You've prepared yourself. You practiced. You have slides. Now, the same applies to any other situation. You can't expect to be at a networking event and just know what to say. You have to think it through, write it down, and then practice it. And the same applies to speaking about the business internally, speaking about your business to the media. Now, think about it as the same story, but told in many different ways, depending on who you talk to and where. So think through all these different situations, not just the financial investor pitch, write it down, Test it, try it, get feedback, film yourself and just internalize it so that, you know, even if it's mid-mind and you had two gin tonics already, you can already, you can always just say what your company is about and what you do. That's that's very important. And it, it helps to just get to, to message market fit as well, because these succinct blocks of text you internalize are very important and give you a chance to test now, you want to make it relevant for the audience, of course. So if you're a networking event, we often know, you know, sometimes we meet people are a bit boring. They're not really um, speaking to us. They speak at us. And you want to make your your conversation relevant to your audience, of course. So I know Dana is in financial advice for, for, for women and Anna is an education tech. So I would say everyone knows someone or is someone um, who knows someone who needs financial advice. Everyone knows someone who knows someone who's at you know at school, right? So education and financial advice are super relevant topics for a lot of people. And in a conversation, I would always try to make it relevant for someone. And usually they, they will tell you, oh, you know, I have, I have two children at school. And, you know, yes, math is, is not great, math uh, instruction. So um, make, it, make it relevant for the audience and find common ground because that way they get way more interested. 
And I also like to see every conversation, even at networking events, as an opportunity. So yes, you want to inspire, you want to share your story, but you can also ask for a referral, for instance. So, okay, do you know someone who has this problem? Uh, would you mind introducing myself? I would really like to speak to some more people with this problem so we can make sure that our product uh, really meets their needs. So you're not, you're not in sales mode, but you're in sort of you know widening the network and, and finding, identifying interesting contacts. So final question, number five, Frederick Rubens Stenskart, he's the CEO of Because, asks, how is good founder communication changing? Now, that's a great question because it is definitely changing and it's changing in all areas, but which I mean, um, you know, how you communicate with your financial audiences, with your external audiences and your internal team. All of that has changed and it continues to change. So in financial, you know, financial communications, in particular fundraising, now, Scott Galloway said something very apt recently. He said the core competence of any CEO right now is the ability to tell stories and raise money cheaper than the next guy. In other words, you know, you tell stories because you need to in order to fundraise. Now, when fundraising was relatively easy a year or two or three ago, that wasn't that important. Today, when money is tight and investors think very carefully about you know, where they want to invest. You know, founders who are not great communicators have a very hard time, right? So yes, you need a great product. You need to be in a good market. You need founder, product fit, et cetera, et cetera. Investors also want to see that you're on your path to message market fit or ideally you already have it. And you want they want to see that the founders can tell good stories and are great communicators. And by that, I mean, it was the equity stories, not, you know, Little Red Riding Hood. So proper startup equity stories that take people on a journey to see how the company can grow and be very profitable. Now, that's that's on the fundraising side. So storytelling, equity story, that's that's very important. And if you do that, if you if you master these skills and, and learn the art of persuasion, then, you know, you, you also be, become a great listener, hopefully. All of that puts you head and shoulders above 90% of other founders who do not make the effort of training themselves and developing these skills that are so crucial to build a company. Now, on the internal side, um, the big change, of course, in the last few years is that teams don't tend to sit in, in the office anymore. They're remote or they're hybrid. So I recently did a whole podcast episode with my friend Bettina Hausmann on leading in a hybrid and remote environment. That's episode number 176 back in February. So if you're interested in the changes, founder communications in terms of leading the team, um, check that out. Then external, yes, media, social media, marketing, advertising, etc. Um, all of that's changing too. So in the media, journalists are so busy these days. There are few of them, of course, and they get bombarded with ever more information which means that both you need both strong stories and strong relationships in order to get coverage. And coverage can, of course, be extremely beneficial for the company because you tell, you put your company on record, right? It's, it's a public record of you building the company. And if anyone Googles you or is looking for you on LinkedIn, et cetera, they, you know, they should really find some good articles about the business. Social media, same. It's very busy. It's very noisy. And AI will just, um, you know, make this more extreme, I think, because it's so easy to create content. Same for advertising and marketing. So what does it mean? It means that attention was cheaper yesterday than it is today, and it will only get more expensive over time for three reasons. So what does that mean? It means that attention was cheaper yesterday than it is today, 
and it will only become more expensive tomorrow. And the cost of attention will continue to increase for three reasons, I believe. Number one is that the number of people advertising and posting is just going to keep increasing, right? So there's just more out there. Second is that our attention isn't growing, and a lot of people say that our attention spend is actually declining. It certainly isn't getting any better. I, I would agree with that. And thirdly, trust is low. So you may get through to people at some point, but they don't necessarily trust you. And I think we're all right to uh, have some strong filters in place because we get bombarded with 10,000 plus messages every day. So trust is low. Lots of people out there posting, advertising, etc., and attention span. As a result, our attention span is relatively low. And what does that mean in terms of changing founder communications? To me, it means that AI will... AI in particular, and all these developments I just mentioned, will favor those founders and CEOs who have unique voices and a strong reputation and a high profile. Why is that? Well, as I said, there's just more of everything out there. And AI, while making it easier to produce content, doesn't give you a unique voice, right? It is obedient. It is, uh, you know, obviously a bit samey, and that's all good. It's, it's all useful tools, and we use them, you use them, we all use them, great. But it doesn't give you a unique voice, right? That unique voice can only come out of yourself. ChatGPT is not going to give it to you. So if you want to stand out, if you want to make, make the best out of this challenging situation in terms of external communication being seen and attracting funding customers top talent it really helps to to be unique and to have that unique voice and use it because as a founder usually you have that unique approach and voice but you also need to use it and you need to use it on a daily basis now what does that mean start today um, if you're founder or ceo uh, be vocal be out there share your unique voice with the world uh, what doesn't work is just asking people to do it for you you know, people, chat GPT, et cetera, it is your role. That's what you need to do. And yes, use all the help you can get for sure. But if it's not unique, if it's samey, if it's from an agency, your posts, it's probably not going to work. So think about yourself, make sure it's your own tone of voice internally, externally with financial audiences. And all of that just means invest time, invest effort, invest into yourself at the end of the day, becoming a better leader using the language of leadership and therefore helping a company be successful. Right. These were the five questions. I hope you find this uh, useful. Ping me uh, on LinkedIn or by email. Let me know how you find it. Also, send me questions. If you have uh, these questions and answers have raised other questions, please do let me know. I'm more than happy to do it again. And uh, this allows me to, to hopefully um, answer a lot of questions you have about communications. As I said, also sign up to the newsletter called Message Machine and follow me on LinkedIn, connect on LinkedIn, because that's where I share these and answer questions like that pretty much every day. That's all for today. So see you all next week, hopefully, with another exciting interview on Speak Like a Sale with Eric Potzewald. He's the CEO of Scalable Capital, massive company, super exciting. And in a few weeks from now, we have the 200th episode. We have something very special planned for you in a few weeks. So thank you for now and see you all next week.